0: Say one thing to me about Simone Biles. Say one word you. to me about I'm Simone sorry. Biles.
1: You're going to give you. up. You're going to be all, oh, she's too good. And now you're throwing off everything else. But now that you're mad that she's not going to be there because she was too good. And now all the judging numbers have to be redone or whatever. Like deal
0: breaker. Post one thing. Say one thing about Simone Biles and you're out of here. Your tires are getting slashed. Your t- <laughs> Leave the dog alone because the dog didn't do a damn thing, and now you're trying to feed him your bodily fluids. Kill all of your friends and a dog a fish, a the dog. fish <laughs> oh, a
1: tailbone wow. <laughs> yeah. and no garbage. Ain't right. to Bible, but you pretend like you're dog. Wow. Yeah. Three
0: used to be my lucky be be my number, but it now no, it's not
1: any good. It's the last no time no, in this, no more don't do it. when we're done. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh God.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Straight Up Evil. My name is Jocelyn. I'm the brunette. We've got Katie. She's the redhead. Hello. And we have Carly. She's the blonde. Hi. So thank you all so much for joining us on this journey. This is part three and the conclusion of our first three-part series on West Memphis. If you're just joining us starting now, roll it back. There's a part one to
1: catch up on.
0: And a part two that you got to get in there before you get to today's part three. So the last time that we left you, we had just seen Jesse, Miss Kelly, Jason Baldwin, and Damian Eccles convicted of murder, Jesse and Jason serving life in prison without the possibility of parole, and Damian sentenced to death. As we alluded to at the end of the last episode, these three young men would spend the next 18 years proclaiming their innocence while inside of prison. And so Carly is going to start us off by getting us into Damien's time incarcerated, which from what I understand is the absolute worst. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: He had it could... very different apparently than the other two did. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I could go on and on for hours about his whole ordeal because it was just- one thing after another, you know,
2: there's a lot more information on Eccles
0: too. Yeah. He's he's written several books. I feel like about his experience,
2: he's written a lot of books. He's done more interviews than everybody else. Mm -hmm. He's like, So you definitely have more information from his story. And also it's interesting too, because there's a lot of conflicting stories too, between the three of them. But it makes sense for
1: Damien though, because he was labeled the ringleader to begin with Mm -hmm. right? wrongfully. So in our opinion, but he was labeled the ringleader and he was the only one who got the death penalty. Everybody, nobody else did, you know, so it makes sense that of a focus on him. Mind you, Damien is like barely an adult and he's in prison, okay? Death row. The night he arrived, he gets put in his cell and he is put between like two of the most, what he called hateful old bastards (laughs) on the face of the earth, okay? They're like both like in their late fifties, like these obese, just weathered, hateful dudes. And like little Damien... The teenager little Damien is just like in between them like okay this is my life now the two of the old guys hate each other and he's in the suck in the middle and then all of a sudden he's like dealing with them yelling at each other obscenities or whatever and then he gets a note this like this seriously passed to him from a woman named Lisa and in this note Lisa details all the things that she would why she would be such a great girlfriend all like her sexual repertoire okay he goes on what okay <laughs> and he's like what is this we lit i'm in an all-male facility who is this and then it says at the end of the note p.s please send me a cigarette come to find out it was one of the old hateful dudes it was so from the the beginning
0: they're just like fucking with him
1: immediately day one immediately and he's like this is this is how it's gonna be every every day now to be fair I'm not sure if like how much of it was just fucking with him or because like apparently the dude who is named Jonas but he went by Lisa in the note, he would literally do anything for a cigarette it could have very well been like "Ooh, fresh meat fucking with him but also not not. also being like whatever you want also he only had one
0: leg. just to add (laughs) it's just adds to the picture <laughs> you know one limb Larry <laughs>
1: You got to laugh about it, but like, imagine how terrified and petrified and just, yeah, this is your so life now. This is what you have to deal with. It's bad enough. You're in prison on death row and you're 18 years old, like whatever.
0: And maybe the most high profile case that the area has seen in a long time. A long, you long didn't time. Didn't even do it. You didn't even do it.
1: Damien, he, like we said, he would spend 18 years in prison 10 of those years was spent in solitary torture, okay? And he would end up spending half of his life on death row. And during this time, he allegedly sustained a brain injury which we don't really know the details of, but he insists like something went down. I don't know whether it was like a fight between inmates or what have you, but like he sustained a brain injury that still plagues him to this day. He only saw his mother a handful of times within that whole 18 years. He saw his sister exactly two times and I don't know if he ended up seeing his adopted father at all while he was in there but his adopted father did die while Damien was in prison so he didn't get to say goodbye or go to the services or anything like that so he didn't really have much support from his family even though I'm sure that they loved him and would try to see him as often as they could but that was not a lot I mean imagine spending your first 18 years of your life and only actually seeing your mother five times meanwhile he's dealing with Jonas Lisa whoever and then Albert the other guy on the other side dealing with that so then In 2003, he gets moved to a super maximum security prison in Grady, Arkansas. This is like, we're the point where there's really no yard to go out in. They're not like being able to exercise outside. They're shackled from like the moment they're outside of their cell. You go outside, but really you're just locked inside a concrete stall, which is what he described as more like a miniature grain silo. So yeah, instead of so like, like
0: tall ceiling.
1: Right. So normally from what I understood about the prison system, which I think I need to bone up a little bit on the facts here, I thought it was like a done deal that unless you're in solitary confinement which is like what 23 hours of the day Mm -hmm. you are allowed a certain amount of time outside in the yard or whatever to get exercise and fresh air
0: no i don't think that's the case at all i don't think that's the case because i think it's it comes down to your amount you're allowed a certain amount of time outside of your cell Mm -hmm. and whatever that means i think is up to the to the prison which is Super scary to think about.
1: So he's not allowed to go outside. He's really not allowed to do much of anything. And in the meantime, Damien is undergoing which really what you can call a form of torture, which is the sleep deprivation. Every night at 1030, they turn off the lights, but they turn them back on all throughout the prison at 2.30 a.m., which is when they start to serve breakfast. So really, it's only dark in that entire place from 1030 to 230. But during that time, the guards are still going in and doing checks. They're still yelling around. They're walking down, you know, this hall, the keys are hitting the doors, whatever. Mm -hmm. The guards aren't being quiet to try to give the inmates a nice sleep. Let's oh why video. not this no, is not like I mean. an airbnb
0: situation I where mean, they're like anticipating your needs the noise machine
1: running and <laughs> the mint on your pillow no so really damien hardly got any sleep so like that's really torture that's yeah really absolutely a form of torture that's for sure. truly
0: torture definitely sleep deprivation absolutely
1: he did learn to adapt to his time in prison as one must because at this point what else are you going to do right And he learned to cook on a light bulb. Okay. It was one of the first things he learned when he arrived was how to cook on a 100 watt light bulb. Wow. Like I can't even fathom. No. Okay. So apparently there's a couple of different ways he learned to do this. You can either do it like by just using the bulb directly as a heat source, or you can get a soda can that you cut off the top off and with a disposable razor blade, which I don't know how he got a hold of and then you use the bulb in the soda can like an oven interesting whoa okay yeah you like fill the can with like coffee or like beef stew or whatever you want to put in there he said and you make certain the can is completely dry not a single drop of water on it and then you balance it on the light bulb and it takes like 20 to 30 minutes it'll be hot enough to heat up whatever you want wow and like think about this these are the things that he's having to figure out and learn how to do right mind you he probably i mean who knows if he even knew how to cook anything before he even went to prison at all yeah i mean he's, he's 18 a year old kid yeah he probably knew how to use a microwave and that's it let's right. be real he had made friends much as he could in the prison system but he also definitely had enemies because they don't really take kindly to kid killers in no, prison. no
0: definitely not
1: you know i mean like the highest is like pedophiles you know like nobody likes them Right. Which is not what he was, but he still was convicted as a child killer and there was a sexual component to that murder. Right. However, during that time, he would receive lots of mail from the outside. Lots. He would get probably 10 to 20 sometimes each day. So think about that. Most of the, I mean, granted, he's not seeing his family much, obviously he's not getting many visitors, but the other guys on death row, you can't tell me they're getting even a percentage of that amount of mail or anything coming. Their no. way. So does you know that I mean? make
0: them interested in him or does that make them hate him more?
1: of both it really depended on how if people thought he was guilty or not damien said that even just getting a single letter on a day would be like enough to be like a tiny little spark of hope but he would receive so many more than that it was just amazing And i guess he would like clutch the letters to his chest he would sleep with them under his head like under his pillow at night and then he received a fateful letter in february of 1996 which is from a woman named Lori who loved movies. And she had recently seen the documentary that had come out about the West Memphis Three. Okay, she had seen it in a film festival in New York. Her name was Lori Davis. And she had done something in her letter that apparently no one else had done before, which was she had apologized for invading his privacy by seeking him out to even write the letter. And to that, like that for him was like a big, huge deal. They fall in love and she would become his wife. So I know what I've said in the past, I am <laughs> uh, not really one no. for prison pen pals or women who marry convicted murderers or felons, like, not usually a great idea. Okay.
0: They said we wouldn't make it. <laughs> <said we> wouldn't- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god
1: but in this case it ended up being okay yeah no like, they're, super they're super cute super cute it's ridiculous together after like they start talking or whatever Lori would end up taking up damien's case she would take out personal loans to, like help fund his defense she would just like fight for him through and through every single day she would become his like an absolute major major supporter
0: and then katie is gonna get into jason's time behind bars made the best of a bad situation 100 and he actually kind of succeeded he quickly became friends with
2: guard with the guards there friended people because he's a very like he's a really like social like nice guy so he like really hit it off with people he was an artist obviously we know that but he also became he loved to read as well and so he started studying and he would spend a lot of his time in the library but one of the articles I actually read like he actually quote quotes like that he could have spent another two two years, five years in there, and like he would have been fine. According to himself, he says, do I, did I deserve to be there? No. Like, did I like to be there? No. But yeah, he had a job. Now, because he was serving a life sentence, whereas Eccles was facing the death penalty, Jason sort of got, he got to live like a better kind of life. Jason had three square meals and was like fine every day. Like Eccles was like starving and dying in a dark hole, basically. Not
1: sleeping. Yeah.
2: Now, don't think that Jason didn't struggle too, because of course he did. Yeah. He had his own demons too. He did get into fights. He does have a temper, like, but he didn't get into any serious trouble or also he really tried to stay out of the um, spotlight while he was in there too. I think that he didn't want to get too much recognition. Um, And I think a lot of that had to do with the projects that he had started working in towards the end of his sentence when he s- decided to start working for charities and doing work on people who've been wrongly accused for crimes and he like actually co-founded and created a an entire foundation for people that are wrongly accused which is which is really amazing shout out to him also he also met his girlfriend that he's currently still with uh, Mm -hmm. same kind of way as a pen pal through prison so I don't think they're married I might have to double check are they yeah no
0: I'm not sure that they are either they kind of and it's interesting too because through the whole debacle of the Alfred play and everything that we're about to get into she keeps calling herself his friend Oh. they say and and he refers to her as his friend so I'm not sure what they're like what they're official title is but they are definitely yes still always you know pictured together and seem to be in a like a cohabitating thing
2: and he's referred to her as his person but yeah you're right like never his girlfriend but he has has referred to her as
0: his person Yeah. yeah we should say whatever works dude Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like whatever, however you, you want to do, do you it. You, gotta
1: do. Yep, you don't got to exactly. label anything. It's
0: no. What
2: I started to notice in my research with Jason is that he starts to talk about this plea deal and sort of what happens with it. And what I notice is what he claims and what he claims about his prison life is very different from what Eccles claims. Eccles claims very different thing. Jason, you know, he says that he had it He didn't, he doesn't say he had it easy, but he definitely says that he didn't have it as bad as Eccles. Right. Eccles feels like Jason kind of exaggerated shit and made shit seem worse than it actually was for him. And Eccles is like, when actually, like, he was living the life and I was in a hole, like, dying. Literally, and it's where. I, I just, where
0: did you see that, Quinny? Because I, I see them as like still close friends.
2: This was circa like 2017 that they had this beef. So this was like a few years back.
0: No, I'm just interested um, because I see all these photos of them like together now in 2021, and I'm like, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm interested.
2: I think that they must have come through at this point for sure. And they've like seen these differences, Mm -hmm. but this was like after they'd been released so many articles that I was reading, I was getting this, my dick is bigger than your dick vibe from the two Mm -hmm. of them going at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, why are they doing this right now? Okay. Now granted, maybe it was for a little bit of attention. And I mean, we can kind of discuss that. I don't know what you you think, but like, I just found that to be like, I found it to be very strange. Jason sees it as he did that plea for Eccles and Eccles sees it as something very different. Eccles sees it as that was our only opportunity to get out. That was the only chance that we had. And Jason had to take that plea too. He didn't have any other choice. And it's just, that's just so interesting to me. Like I found that coming up a lot.
0: I would argue that they lost year 18 through age 36. And a lot of cockfights happen in that time. There's a lot of, I'm a bigger man than you are shit going on. And I'm sure that's only amplified in prison. And perhaps it's a byproduct of a learned behavior where you have to assert yourself around other men in order to be, it might just be something, a, a behavioral byproduct of being locked up for that long.
2: It's from the, so it came from the book. Apparently, that Eccles wrote.
0: Oh, Um, okay, okay. Over
2: the years, Jason had grown to love prison. Eccles writes, his circumstances were not the same as mine. He had a job. He had befriended the guards. He was actually looking forward to the next years in prison school. And Jason had also said previously that he wasn't willing to concede anything to the prosecutors. Mm -hmm. That's something.
1: I mean, you gotta also remember. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna put words in anyone's mouth, but like think about this: Damien and Jason's trial. Damien sees that Jason's team are just blaming Damien. Right. Okay. Yeah. Whether he knows if that that's how his friend feels or not. Right. Whether he did feel that way or not, he sees, oh, they're just blaming me for everything and Talk Jason's to totally innocent Yeah, I mean yeah. you know but I'm like yeah fuck me then or on the other side of the coin Jason could be thinking I'm literally only here because I hung out with Damien this is the only reason why my entire life is in shambles is because right. I'm friend. you know what I mean so like yeah. that type of animosity who knows how that could play out how that could be I'm sure they didn't get adequate you know therapy in there so like who knows for sure how those emotions could be like just show down and then, like Johnson said, add on the fact of like learned behavior of just like being in the prison system and like all yep. these dudes cockfighting and stuff. Yeah, to put all that together. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't, they could even have a civil word to each other.
0: Oh, uh, I said this in the first episode and I cut it out because it did not fit in the flow of our episode. But <laughs> I said how much I love Jason Baldwin, how I think he's a babe, how I think, how I'm so impressed with him as a person, and like he's absolutely <laughs> like number one, my fave. I do this thing in my own life where if someone does something that is just like blatantly rude, like just blatantly, not even trying to hide it rude, I get so nice. (laughs) and so pleased with myself that it's almost frightening. So like having, (laughs) being in prison, I'm just imagining myself, okay, Jason Baldwin, okay, my dude, okay? I'm just imagining him in prison for a crime that he did not commit, that he has nothing to do with being like, nope, I am going to turn this into the most productive, happy, healthy situation that I possibly can. And just embracing this, like, I don't even care if that's why you threw me in here. I'm going to turn it into something Mm -hmm. useful in my life. That's how he always
2: was his whole life too. He's like, he, that's what he always did.
0: And do in doing that, that probably gives off the vibe that like, Oh, you obviously like being here. Mm-hmm. Or you obviously mm-hmm. like when really the guy is just not willing to admit to something that he didn't do. So he's mm-hmm. like, great, lock me up. I'm still not guilty. You know, it's just, it's so interesting, but I think there is something to be said for the difference between death row and yeah. being mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. life in prison Absolutely. Mm-hmm. and understand. the way that we treat prisoners on it death is, row as opposed awful. to, yeah. Jesse, miss uh, <sighs> Jesse, Kelly, Jesse's time inside. He has largely and purposefully chosen to live his life out of the spotlight. Jesse doesn't want anything to do with the story anymore, which is his right. But he did spend age 17 to age 35 in prison. And that definitely took a toll on him, his mental and his physical health, as it would anyone. He got semi-regular visits from his dad, basically whenever his dad could get out there, he would go see him. It was just a byproduct of access. And he was pen pals with some people that he knew prior to being incarcerated. I don't know of any pen pals that he took on after being incarcerated, like specifically, but I'm sure, I'm sure they all got letters. He did learn a trade in prison. He got a series of tattoos, including a clock on the top of his head, which is just like, just think about that. Like it's, it, it is kind of awesome in a way, like it's Uh very unconventional, but it is kind of awesome. He made the most of his time in prison or as much as you can when you have been convicted of a crime that you didn't commit. Jesse Miss Kelly, man, you guys, I spent so long in the last month on Reddit just West Memphis three thousands of threads. And you know, there is a lot of hate for Jesse Miss Kelly for his time in prison when it is compared to Damien's time and especially Jason's time. Now, Jason would be the exceptional example, right? Mm -hmm. Just like Katie said, schooling, job, all the things. He was just determined to be like, nope, I'm I'm going to work this. Damien also went to school, also got his GED, also got some of the things that you can do in prison in terms of studying. Jesse did not. He learned a trade, but he didn't have a specific job. You know what? You bastards. You know what? Jesse, Miss Kelly. Okay. Are you really like, okay. First of all, before he went to prison, he had already left high school because it was too challenging for him. So even in special needs courses. So are you suggesting that the education system in prison is going to surpass the level of education that he could get in West Memphis? Because if you are suggesting that, then how do you have faith in any public institution in West Memphis, let alone the police department?
1: I I, really, I really
0: would put it to you. Like if you really think that he should have really gone for that prison education that the kid c- could not do it prior to all of this. So what would make you think that he was going to do it now?
1: You're telling me that they're going to have yeah. like special accommodation for him like like they no! you know, like like a special ed program like that's not going to happen.
0: No, no absolutely not. Mm-mm. He was not set up properly to do something. Also he like owes that. you guys nothing. He, he owes anything. you nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I have to say, like, you're incarcerated for a crime you didn't commit. Every day, the man has to deal with the fact that he was coerced into a false confession and he dragged two other people into it. The weight of all of that is on him. And you're going to be, you're going to hate on him for not being willing to try for giving up for just being like, well, I guess this is my life now. Like I I just, it's just so human to have something like that happen to you and be like, fuck it. And I understand it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's like when the pandemic started and everybody was like, everybody better get in shape and do all this (laughs) shit and fix their houses up. And I'm like, what if I just want to lay here and be like, what the fuck? just happened exactly you know like that's also okay 100 percent. these people shit talking jesse miss kelly just leave the guy alone get out of here
2: leave him
0: so Carly is going to get in to the movement to set the West Memphis three free really free. quick sidebar before I get into that. I was listening
1: to another podcast at work today called to live and die in LA. Have you? Yeah. This? Yeah. Oh I know it. my. God. Are you on season one or season two? Season one. I have not finished. I'm on episode eight. I learned really something interesting about a study they did on false memories. They did a study on people that they literally would be like, okay, tell me about this day or whatever, right? And they'll go into it. And they'll be like, okay, do you remember when your mom brought you to the mall that day and you had to go um, and buy a pair of shoes or whatever? They just made up something. And the person would be like, no, I, what are you talking about? I don't remember that. And they'd go past it. And they'd somehow circle back around to it later. And then by the time the end of the study, okay, that's like by the time, like the hours are done, the person would literally be like putting together a vague memory based on just that little seed. But they were told at the end of the study, like, oh, hey, remember that, you know, that memory you were talking about with the, when your mom brought you to the mall for shoes, that did not happen. I made that up. And then you Falsely remembered it.
2: That's fascinating. And they
1: like built an entire memory off of it. And That's none so None of cool. it ever happened. So it just like kind of like made me feel like it was very on like parallel to. Yeah. That. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Very easily done. The Super next time easy. somebody says to you, like, "Hey, don't you remember when we did whatever?" and you don't remember, you you say you don't remember. Damn it! You stick to your guns.
1: So 2011 rolls around and arkansas officials are like under severe pressure to release these guys because even though a lot of people then and still still fully believe they're guilty and it's like very polarizing like people it really is one way or another and that is it which i fully agree with because i feel one way and you're not going to change my mind so yeah no basically (laughs) thank you 100 100 very much 2011 they're under pressure to release these guys or like figure something else out because there's at least enough people thinking, eh, I don't know about this. And a new trial is about to be ordered because new DNA evidence
0: had been discovered,
1: which actually implicated a certain person named Terry Hobbs,
0: which we'll go into more later. Cough, 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 cough. So this DNA evidence was found in 2007 and still they didn't do anything with it this is until 2011 point. this same judge same exact judge I that can't. was in the previous judge, in their trials i have it, so many i want to say so many bad things i want did to say so not much. order a new trial in 2007 and carly's exactly right by the time we got to 2011 the state supreme court literally was like no that is not how this works you are denying people post-conviction relief. No. Yeah, sorry there, bud.
1: Not how. Like it works. no, a hair was found in the ligatures that were that had bound Michael Moore, and this hair was a virtual genetic match for a certain Terry Hobbs. And then there was another hair found on a tree stump next to where the bodies were dumped that was a genetic match for Terry Hobbs' alibi witness, his good old friend David Jacoby, Garley. You are walking
0: a fine line right now. Just tell us how they get out and then you can string them up.
1: Oh I've been waiting that Charlie She can't. I've been waiting for this for three weeks. <laughs>
2: she can't contain herself she officially had to say his name she was trying to do the whole he who shall not be named but she he couldn't who we will mention later she couldn't do it she
1: had to say no it's Voldemort fucker, okay it's fucking it's Voldemort. Terry, guys okay so they find the hair either way that's enough evidence To be like, let's look into this again. That is, that's one of the most
2: revolutionary findings in the case so far, quite frankly, if you ask me, and what else did they not find? Absolutely no evidence of any any three of the teenage boys' DNA
1: there. Nothing. Then good old Vicki Hutchinson. Vicki, girl, what are you doing? Vicki, 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 Vicki rocking everywhere. Vicki Hutchinson, she would end (laughs) up signing a sworn affidavit stating that she lied at the trial. She told a reporter in 2009 that when she had given her testimony and like all that stupid SBAT statement, whatever, oh my, what is it, SBAT? a spot yep thank you she said that she was under pressure from the police to provide evidence and she because she was facing that fraud charge then let's not forget that she had brought her eight year old son into the picture too remember yes who said he was friends with the victims he claimed to have been witnessing things whatever well his all his statements proved false as well vicky says she lied about the spot. she had Aaron again was it a false memory because his mom was bringing it up or the police or whatever but saying that Aaron's whole testimony like you know statement was false he did not witness anything he did not go into the woods and go to the the little fort and see anything happen nothing Mm -hmm. and honestly at this point I'm even questioning like was the kid even really friends with any of the boys
0: at all yeah you really really I mean,
2: and also the whole time that you were already mad before, like then you get these confirmations of all these things. And it's just that much more like it's like the pot boiling over, man. It sucks so bad because it's like it's all a day late and a fucking dollar
1: short exactly. for these fucking people. Then don't forget, we also had testimony from another witness that had said they had heard Damien and Jason talking about the burgers at the softball game. Mm-hmm. this would also the prosecutor said would have been likely disproved as well claiming that that was a false testimony also God. okay yeah so-
0: vicki hutchinson said that the night in question the night where she was supposed to be driving around to the spot, she drank a fifth of wild turkey and woke up on her front lawn okay so that's the that's the level of credibility vicki that who was watching with?
1: your child probably jesse you're totally right i can't i can't take it people are now you know getting actual not evidence but actual leverage to you know saying Mm -hmm. that these poor three boys did not do this so they're gaining some national support they're gaining some local support even though you know there's still the people out there that are haters and then there are documentaries as well that come out 1996 paradise lost came out that obviously helped casting the doubt on their guilt that made a huge impact in that in that way at some point like Like even celebrities are catching wind of it and they're speaking out in support as well, which is even though they're like people who are, you know, just musicians or they're celebrities, they have such clout and they have such a platform that like it doesn't, it just can either way, they can do so much good with their platform. And it just like makes me feel nice that like once in a while they like do things like this,
0: something like, you know, yes, like actually use that for to draw attention to a situation yeah exactly
1: so some of the celebrities that would end up speaking out in support of them were Pearl Jam frontman Eddie Vedder we know that Quinny loves Pearl Jam loves the chick singer Natalie Maines and then also um film director Peter Jackson who did the Lord of the Rings trilogy
0: anybody Mm -hmm. any nerds out there because Um. they're all weirdos dude They all love dark shit. Dude, Absolutely. I'm fucking Henry serious Rollins though. from Black Flag. Fucking, fucking all these yep. like dark people who like dark things. Johnny, probably Depp. people who listen to True and Crime
2: weird things. And I am one of those people too. I like weird, odd, scary,
1: creepy things too. I mean, how much of a weirdo is Johnny Depp? That's so so weird but that
0: Amber whatever shit in his bed. Did you, <laughs> did you you read no. that? Yes. No. Well, yes. Yes. Or no. had someone poop in right. his bed. But as a either as a- way, there was shit in the bed. Yeah. But so. he would actually like take
1: Damien like on a trip once he was out. And like Damien said like he was he basically had PTSD the entire trip and like he was having panic attacks the whole time and like couldn't even enjoy the fact that like this famous, famous a list actor was like in his vicinity and talking to him, you know. In the fall of 2010, the Arkansas Supreme Court would order a hearing for the boys to determine if, well, at this point they're men, if they deserve new trials. But before the hearing took place, uh, lawyers and the prosecutors in Arkansas had reached a deal allowing the men to enter the Alford plea.
0: The Alford plea is a very odd legal term. It is. It's for when a defendant does not admit to committing a crime, but they admit the evidence against them is so overwhelming that a jury would likely find them guilty and impose a sentence. So this is not to be confused with pleading no contest, which means not admitting guilt, not admitting to committing a crime but allowing the court to determine the punishment and leaving that decision over to the court. The Alford plea comes from North Carolina versus Henry C. Alford in 1969. Henry Alford was indicted for first degree murder and pled guilty for fear of getting the death penalty. The court eventually ruled that that was unethical to have the plea itself influenced by the fear of what the sentence could be. And this led to what is commonly known as the Alfred plea. So it is entering a plea of guilty in a way. It's an acceptance of the charge because of the overwhelming evidence, but you do not have to admit that you committed the crime. This plea in particular satisfied the state of Arkansas from my perspective for two reasons. Number one, it means that the West Memphis Three admit publicly that the evidence against them was so good and that the police did such a good job and never even made one mistake and never did anything unethical that a jury today or in 2011 when this happened could find them guilty by looking at that evidence. So that's number one. And then number two, I feel that the state, and this is a personal opinion, the state of Arkansas banked on the fact that most people would not understand the complexity of the plea and just think that they were pleading guilty and getting out. And that would just confirm everything that the state of Arkansas had said the entire time that's what's interesting to the state about offering them that type of play they avoid a trial and they don't ever have to
2: be wrong ever
0: they don't ever have to be wrong ever they avoid the trial. These people are are admitting that the evidence is so good against them that they could likely be found. Yeah, I know.
1: It tries, practically literally no happening. evidence, with zero evidence. It comes into play after they found all the brand new evidence that proves they didn't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. And after 18 years, binnies I know.
0: But if they took 18 it, years. they get out that day. They get out I the mean, day they take it. Who
1: wouldn't want to do
0: that? Now for Jesse and Jason, that's a lot to think about. And for Damien, it's a no brainer because he is, it's, it's about time. It's about time for him. That's about how long it takes on death row before you're executed. And he's, the clock is ticking for Damien. So Jesse was down. He was ready. He was ready to get out. Damien, obviously, no brainer. But Jason, not so much, Quinny, right? He yeah. had he had an issue with that.
2: Yeah, he really struggled and he had to talk he had to sit down and talk it out because with his legal team, because he just couldn't he was not comfortable with it. He wasn't comfortable with it at all. His legal team basically convinced him that that's what he needed to do. That it was a, it was what was of his best interest. They had him consider the fact as well, at which he already was, that Eccles was not doing good and that his friend was on death row. And he didn't, he did not want his friend to die. He didn't want to see that happen. Right. And so he decided to do it, but not without a heartbreaking little speech that he made. And it was really just... He was ready
0: to throw up both middle fingers and say, no, you're not going to get me to admit it that easy. You know, if Damien had not been on death row, I wonder, honestly, I I wonder if they would still be in there. Yeah, no, I don't know if he would have done it, honestly, but. They do take it. Once Jason was able to put that aside, talk to his lawyers and figure it out, the West Memphis Three entered the Alfred plea and all three of them walked out of prison on August 19th of 2011. We are coming up on 10 years that they have been out, which That's is, crazy. it's a happy thought just that they're out of prison there's not very many happy thoughts in this story and so it's it's nice to know that they have spent the last 10 years as free people where they belong and make no mistake right we here at straight up evil we're all happy that they're out because we don't feel that they committed a crime However, in entering the Alfred plea, two incredibly fucked up things happened. Number one, they lost the ability to sue the state of Arkansas civilly for wrongful conviction. Okay, not allowed to do that. And their Alfred plea, though they maintained their innocence, right? Every one of them said, I didn't commit this crime. Under advice of my attorney, I'm taking this plea. This effectively closed the case of the murders of Stevie Branch, Michael Moore, and Chris Byers in the eyes of the law. Yeah, so that means- no investigating it, right? Exactly. The crime will not be investigated until compelling new evidence comes to light that may in some kind of Hail Mary result in a new trial. But let's remember when the hair that did not match any of the West Memphis Three was identified at the crime scene on one of the victims in 2007, the state still refused to give them a new trial. So the the state of Arkansas has all but ensured that these victims and their families will never have justice in this case. Exactly. Yeah. Also, this case isn't making me look too hot over there, Arkansas. Okay. We love you, but. And in a very cruel and current twist to this story, on July 11th of this year, a couple of weeks ago, the Arkansas Democrat reported that the evidence in this case is gone. I can't, I can't,
1: I literally can't take the. That this has happened, and I do yeah. not have a hard cider to drink while we're talking about it. Oh
0: yeah, it's probably in the Bermuda Triangle. It's with the surveillance tape from the uh, Lost Hill Sheriff's Department. Yep, and it's with the fucking. You know, it, how many times? Ta- how many times have how we seen many this? Times. This reminds me of um, Adam Walsh, the yes. Adam Walsh case. With oh, once Otis tool recanted his confession. They said go back and look at the evidence, and they didn't even have the car. The car was lost. They. <laughs> An entire vehicle. Where's this the is, car? We lost this, ha- this happens all the time. So, evidence requested by attorneys for Damian Eccles has been, quote, lost or destroyed by fire, according oh. to the West Memphis Police Department. The evidence was sought for new DNA evidence to exonerate the three once and for all. The evidence that they hope to test included the victim's socks, shoes, shirts, and shoelaces used as ligatures. This has either been lost misplaced or destroyed by fire, according to the West Memphis Police Department. This is interesting, Quinice. Part of the Alfred plea, part of that plea that they took in the agreement that was specific to this case required that the state of Arkansas preserve the evidence from this crime for future testing, which now we know they did not do. So in my mind, they may go to a judge and seek some sort of concession to that plea that allows them to sue the state of Arkansas like that allows them to break it. Yeah. That allows they, them to civilly it. sue the state of Arkansas for restitution, for their wrongful conviction, because these guys are never getting away from this story. Nope. Everything that no. they do forever is tied to this. So like,
2: hello, we just did Richard Jewel. You yes. In, yeah. it,
0: you, your life is
2: ruined for for wrongly for being wrongly accused
0: this is always going to follow them around a lot of people should talk Damian Eccles for writing books and making media appearances listen this is the hand the guy was dealt mm-hmm. this is the hand that the state gave him this is his story Seriously? that's all he that's all he's got what is he gonna do exactly he has to make a living well he's gonna get a job or he's gonna have gainful employment or he's i i was talking to sam today sam's like could he change his name i'm like honestly as someone who was incarcerated for that amount of time i don't know i don't know if he has to be registered as a sex offender so mara leverett author of the devil's not She's just such a badass. I just love her so much. Totally. She had this to say a couple of days ago on Facebook. I thought this was important to read and pretty genius. An inspector for the West Memphis Fire Department responded to my Freedom of Information Act requests for all information on all fires in structures owned or controlled by the city of West Memphis over the past 10 years. He reported that only one fire fit that description. It was a building that housed chlorine gas tanks. He sent the official report, which noted that the site manager at the building informed the responding crew that the fire had been, quote, put out by a worker with a fire extinguisher prior to our arrival. No damage was noted. Unless the West Memphis Police Department stored evidence in a building that also housed chlorine gas tanks, I don't see how this supports the recent claim that evidence from the 1993 murders was destroyed in a fire.
1: Like slow clap. Exactly. Like didn't happen. I'm thinking here, I'm like, okay, I would love to know how many police department evidence lockers, whatever, just happened to go up in flames. How, com- like,
0: how common does that happen? Like, what are the odds? How do you like, lose that evidence in the most, one of the most high profile cases in history? It's shady. Exactly. I was just going to say that person should be fucking fired. I think it's a conspiracy all the way to the top, man. That screams cover up to me. Come on. Oh, screams yeah. oh, cover yeah. up to me. 100 percent so who did this Quinny's? we got to talk about the suspects that remain quinnies and i'm not ruling out aliens okay i'm not ruling them out do we ever? i can't do we ever i them can't out? well some of them, I feel like Sometimes for some of them, them i'm like uh-uh you know, this one, I'm not ruling it out because it is such a head scratcher that it's just like, maybe, I don't know, maybe. We'll, maybe. we'll put that out there. Maybe aliens. Um, Really quick, I just want to mention John Douglas because I think he's great. A lot of people hate John <laughs> Douglas too, which is hilarious to me. I'm like, wow, you guys are really, your trip. He wrote the book on this <laughs> shit. So cool. He, you know, obviously author of Mindhunter, FBI criminal profiler. He believes there was one solo perpetrator. In the deaths of Stevie, Michael, and Chris. He believes that this individual would have known both the children and the area where they were found. Yeah, he spoke about this in a panel with three forensic scientists. So Werner Spitz or Spites, is it Spites? I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to say Spites. Um, He testified in Phil Spector's trial, Dr. Richard Souveran, who matched Ted Bundy's teeth to the Chi Omega killings and Thomas feeder, who's a blood specialist. So all four men agree that there is absolutely no evidence of sodomy or sexual assault in the boys. Spites said that none of the superficial injuries to the children, including Stevie's face or Chris's genital area occurred while the children were alive and that they are most likely the results of animals, probably snapping turtles, which were known to live in that drainage ditch and where the boys were found in very high numbers. Plenty of turtles out there. So I just want to put that out there right at the beginning that that's what some very educated criminal minds,
2: actual
0: Actual experts, experts, think happened so quinnies you want to start with mr bojangles mr bojangles it's time to talk about mr bojangles So we jiggling, We're jiggling or... Or... so okay mr bojangles okay.
2: It's hilarious because i really used to say that all the time like why are you bojangling
0: can you stop <laughs> bojangling? I literally. They have great chicken. I'm just going to, I'm putting it out there. Bojangles. Mr. Bojangles. On the night of the murder of Stevie, Chris, and Mike, May 5th, 1993, the manager of the Bojangles Fried Chicken Restaurant called the West Memphis Police Department to report that a black male had entered the restaurant confused and covered in blood. He had entered the restroom, the women's restroom, and left blood and feces on the floor as as well as blood on the walls from his arm. Bojangles is roughly a mile from where the children were found. This call came in at 8.42 p.m., which puts it within pretty close to the time of death window that's even conceded by the state of Arkansas. The West Memphis Police Department took samples of the blood that was left in the bathroom, but all of them were lost by Detective Bryn Ridge, who is the fucking genius who thought it was important to point out that Davian Eccles likes Stephen King. So he just lost it. He just lost him. So he's admitted that he just, whoops, don't know what happened to those. Oh, it was a fire. Mm-hmm. So, so
1: annoying. That crazy fire happened again.
0: So we don't have that blood. So we have no way to test that blood. Um, some people who were at the Bojangles that night report that the man had a cast on his arm. So that might've made it difficult to subdue three children, but not all accounts say that he had a cast on his arm. Some people say it was one of those like Velcro casts that you could just pull off. So if you just had a sprain or something, you could remove it. So maybe it really wasn't a deterrent. However, and a lot like Delphi, and I have to admit this because it's my own fucking logic working against me. <laughs> this man has never been identified. So using my logic, just like Bridge Guy, because we don't know who he is, means that he's the perpetrator. Although for some reason, I just don't like him for it. Yeah. I don't know. It's oh. hard to imagine. Hard to oh. imagine to me. I don't know. Like if I, I
1: even take away my, pri- my prior theories, just looking at that, like, okay, yeah, like this, all that information kind of seem shifty and a little bit weird, but like he could have been, who knows? He could have been confused because he fell. He could have been, he could have been on drugs. He could have been drunk. He could have been had a mental illness. Like we don't, we have literally no idea. He yeah could have been it's a homeless true. guy we have no idea who he is because he doesn't have you know a regular paper trail of who. right he, you know, he's identity. transient
0: or whatever right. it is yeah absolutely yeah hitched a ride and on but because it was a huge trucking area you know hitched a ride and then took off and that was you know that was the end of it but um, it'd be
1: nice if we at least had the blood
0: it would be fantastic to be able to rule it out That would be great because, you know, that is what um, investigators do. They just take the facts that are presented and they follow those facts until the facts lead nowhere. And then they go back to center and they do it again. And does that sound like a lot of fun? Not really. But you know what? That's the job.
1: You know, I would like (sighs) to apply. I would like to apply for the job of evidence holder for all the things
0: okay just have carly hold
1: all of the evidence of everything my organizational skills (laughs) Mm -hmm. could handle it there's going to be no fires on my watch
0: like what do you mean you lost it what What do you you mean like sophomore like i just imagine taking somebody by the throat and being like what do you mean what do you mean you lost it like how is that not a career ender it must happen all the time we got to talk about john mark byers because I know Quinny definitely wants to talk about this. This guy is, of course, the stepfather of Chris Byers. He is a favorite for the perpetrator of this crime. The Paradise Lost documentaries, the second one and the third one, pretty much just hang Mark Byers out to dry. I mean, they really smear him as best as they possibly can. I think they were doing it to point out how many other viable suspects there were outside yeah. of the three. Absolutely. But, it, but it's, yeah. really, um, it it's really, it was really daring. Yeah, it's, it's a little yeah. yeah, they do a total sure. uh, gotcha moment in one where they use this uh, hunting knife that Mark Byers had given them and they test it for blood and the blood comes back that it matched Mark Byers and Chris Byers and Mark Byers says he has no idea how it got there and it's like a total like they're trying to like get him on camera and then they even had him polygraphed for the movie and he passed and then they insinuated that he was on psychoactive medications for, for his mental health issues which he was and they said that that probably influenced the results which really is It's just like, when you put it up against everything we've already learned about this case, it's like, they hold polygraphs up as, as Bible truths, Exactly. The high. So like, how, how does it matter then? But it doesn't matter now. Um, but that was that one documentary that chose to take that path, whether it's because of his mental health issues or because Chris had the most severe injuries and John Mark Byers is his stepfather. Um, many people believe him to be the true perpetrator. And I know Benny had some reservations about him. So let's get into it, Benny. What, what do you think about John Mark Byers?
2: Yeah, just like a, he just gives, he gave me a couple, just a few right little red flags, that pop up um I just didn't I just didn't like like the claim that he made that he had like hit he had like beat him with a belt basically like before school or something that really just does not sit well like in the pit of my stomach at all I just don't like that and then also I just don't like the fact that he got his teeth removed the teeth thing is really weird to me then now he made a couple different claims. Like the first time he said that it was because he had like actual dental issues and that he had to get the teeth removed, but it was like, literally it was his entire mouth of teeth. And I just think that it's just so strange. They do all these teeth marks. They don't match any of the teenage boys but then the more documentaries I watched and the more I read I really believe the strongest that they like a lot of the wounds are results of turtles and fish eating them
0: Mm -hmm. that's animals I
2: saw some people talk about some turtles man and like yeah
0: oh my god all (laughs) the turtle experts are so funny
2: all the turtle (laughs) shit Yeah, so that really kind of made me eliminate the teeth after that. But I did just think that that was weird how it's almost like he got rid of them and then there was just no possible way that anybody would ever be able to test that. And I just think that that's very weird. And then, yeah, the beating thing. And then also the knife was a little bit concerning to me, but exactly, once you do more research and you read into it more and you realize, I don't think that, I think that's that knife is, the hunting knife is pretty irrelevant. And then also everybody's like oh well he was like the first one on site and he was like searching and stuff well that doesn't mean shit to me because Mm -hmm. quite frankly we see that all the time where the number one suspect is right there first person at the search party Mm -hmm. or they'll be the or they'll be the last person but they'll be hidden somewhere and still there you know it's just like so but other than that he's definitely not my number one by any means right just definitely a couple things that Give me some old school growing up in Lake Max, Florida, those old awkward men that kind of make you feel a certain type of way. I don't know. He just gives me that vibe a little Mm. bit and I just, I'm not about
0: it. I gotcha.
1: A little suspicious. Yeah. Yeah, A little, a little little iffy.
0: He is. He I I appreciate him for his willingness to immediately say this isn't right. Yeah. Immediately. The second I mean that we just how many cases do we see where people are like, well, maybe he'll come home or something like that? That's just the incentive for him to be like, get the cops here now i don't know where any of them are like it just also didn't immediately
2: react like in a
0: sketch way yeah he
2: acted the way that a concerned Mm -hmm. parent would act if their child went missing yes
0: you're exactly right quinn you're so right (laughs) so unfortunately we do have to say that john mark byers was killed in a car accident last summer friday june 19th 2020 he was 62 years old so he's no longer with us, but he he's been a very popular suspect for a while. I'm going to get into one more whack pack theory that I have, and then we're going to let Carly loose and just get ready. We're just good. We're opening it. Hey, we're opening up the gate and letting her loose. We're opening the gates right up. So we're hell. releasing the hounds of hell. I am going to bring up The Boy Scouts of America, Quinny's, because I mentioned in the first episode that Stevie and Michael were definitely Boy Scouts. And I had heard that Chris was as well, but I didn't know. I couldn't pinpoint his involvement. And I had someone on YouTube um, reach out after we put out our first episode and tell me that Chris wasn't in the Scouts that year, that school year, because he had not gotten his permission slip signed or somehow it got Uh, lost in the shuffle and he didn't Mm -hmm. sign up and he missed the date to sign up. Mm -hmm. And from everything we know about the Byers family, that's probably true. Yeah, that probably happened. I can see that (laughs) happening. That leads me to believe that all kids all three of them at one point were in the scouts together. There's a bunch of news articles from right around the time that are like three boy scouts murdered. It's local news. It's statewide news. It's national news. It's international news who, who report them that way. So it leads me to believe that at some point they were all in it together. That area of West Memphis is the Crowley's Ridge chapter of the boy scouts. And that's governed by the Quapaw council. So as many of you probably know, the boy scouts of America have been in significant amounts of deep shit over the past three to four years over countless claims of childhood sexual abuse from counselors, scoutmasters, widely reported throughout the United States. There is an organization called Abused in Scouting. They are a nonprofit. They contain over 8,000 members of actual sexual abuse survivors from the Boy Scouts. They have created a database of scouting abuse. It was so valuable to me in all of this research, and I really had no idea how vast the abuse was. If you or someone you know was abused with respect to the boy scouts abused in scouting is a fantastic resource it's all run by survivors they're there for you they understand you they're they have a lot of resources for you and they can help a man came forward in 2018 and sued the central arkansas chapter of the boy scouts and a leader of boy scout troop 16 and weevilow's unit 13 in hot springs of sexually abusing him on eight occasions between the ages of 10 and 12 years old there have been dozens of other suits just like this in Arkansas. This suit alleges that the Quapaw Council, which is the same council that would have governed Mike, Stevie, and Chris's troop, knew the leader had been accused of sexually abusing a boy in Georgia prior to his arrival in Arkansas, still hired him, and then tried to conceal the problem by telling the child to not tell their parents. Truly awful stuff. This abuse was never reported to law enforcement at any level and this happened in 1979 and 1980. In this lawsuit, oh. they allege that there is a systemic problem within the Boy Scouts of America where quote they have aggressively marketed the wholesomeness and safety of their programs but concealed certain knowledge that pedophiles had been infiltrating Boy Scout groups in large numbers for many years. So 879 men have filed lawsuits against the Boy Scouts of America in just Arkansas as of May of 2021. And so the Boy Scouts filed for bankruptcy protection in February of 2020. So this is a huge problem. Wow. and, And it's real. It's, it's really real. It's, it's to be believed. So look, many of our listeners have had great experiences as Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. There are many fantastic scout leaders. Um, You know, these are, there are a lot of people out there who work with these organizations who are exceptional. They just want to help kids, just like there are a bunch of good priests and good teachers and good coaches. However, the (laughs) phenomenon of childhood sexual abuse remains, and I cannot find anything in the West Memphis three case file that says that the West Memphis PD ever even looked into the fact that they were all in the Boy Scouts. And this gets even more interesting when you take into account that little detail that Katie gave us in episode one about the boys having their sleeping bags and going into the woods. Mm -hmm. Were they trying to get a badge Was one of them trying to get a badge? Did someone know that they were going to be out there? Michael Moore was in his Boy Scouts uniform. So I'm not saying that someone in the Boy Scouts is our perpetrator, but this is another thing that was entirely overlooked, that was never considered, and that I think someone out there should spend some time looking into. And now that we know the culture of abuse that was going on there and that all three of those kids were, were at points of yeah, possible it exposure. Been, it could have been the number of freaking people, Vinny's. it makes me think of Asia degree. Yes. It makes me think absolutely. of her with the church involvement I and the, the same mm-hmm. Thing. Mm-hmm. someone that, that, was trusted and a known person and was just around. And
1: we all agree.
0: I'm assuming, I think we all agree
1: that regardless of who we think did it, we think it's someone who definitely knew these kids. Yes, for
2: sure. It is someone that knew one of the boys. Yes. And, At least one. That is one, at least one. And that is one thing I'm 100% convinced of. But I'm also pretty sure that I don't think they meant to kill all three of them either. I think it was totally like sporadic. And they, it was like one kid was being abused or punished. And it happened to me that the other two kids were witness to it. Mm -hmm. And they could not go and tell what the person was doing
1: right they didn't leave any witnesses Mm -hmm, mm yep i actually have one more suspect before my face is hot my
0: face is like hot
1: chris morgan he was
0: another teenager in west oh yes i love this yes thank you so much for bringing this up so he
1: was also never thoroughly investigated okay and granted like we all know how we feel about the teenagers being investigated in this in this town okay but but they didn't even really look into him very much either. So he had come into the attention of the authorities after they found that he had abruptly apart- departed for Oceanside, California. Four days after the bodies of the kids were destroyed. Yeah, red flags, Vinny. Majorly. So like, that's suspicious exactly. So he, Chris Morgan, he did have um, a pretty lengthy history of alcohol and drug abuse in his teenage years. And he was presumed to be familiar with all three boys because he used to drive an ice cream truck in their neighborhood. Mm. Now doesn't that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. An ice cream truck. There was a polygraph done, again, with the polygraph being just held to the highest. The detectives apparently learned in, in the polygraph that He did show deception when he denied involvement in the murders.
0: Mm, And we don't really know what we feel. Exactly. Because first of
1: all, we don't know the details of that. And second of all, we don't know how we feel because I can't really, I don't really hold much value in the expert of the polygraph reader to be. No, I
0: don't trust a damn word anybody says. No.
1: There was some weird stuff that came out during the questioning of Chris Borkin because he did claim that he had often would have blackouts and some memory lapses. He suggested in a statement later that he would end up recanting that he, quote, might have killed the victims. I guess really what that means is. He was quoted saying he himself cannot 100% rule out he had involvement, but as far as he knows to be true, he did not have any involvement.
0: Did they tell him that the machine can read his thoughts? I mean, and so, like, is this another situation of someone being forced into saying, Yeah, but what if you did it and you don't remember? Exactly. False memories. So sketch. Mm, Come on. So So
1: they would take blood and urine samples from Chris. Okay. But there was no, other than that, there was no indication that he was actually fully investigated as a suspect. Okay. Like, yes, he did the polygraph. They took the samples. He was a person of interest, like slash informative, you know. But they never went any, yeah, but they
2: never did anything else after. that. never followed up.
1: And he just left for California. So, okay. So we don't know. That's all we know about it. Granted, do I think necessarily with him no no because we don't have enough information we don't know exactly wow
0: yeah thank you for mentioning that one it's time before we get into our final thoughts on on this whole thing carly the gate is open Okay, the it's wide open, and we're just letting you loose on who else but Terry fucking Hobbs. We said in episode one we're gonna let you talk about him. We never talked about what his alibi was for that night, we never gave you any more information. That's what Carly is gonna do now. No one at Straight Up
1: People Podcast is accusing anyone outright of being a murderer, nope. but we're okay. taking a ride, down we don't get revert. <laughs> Terry Hobbs, as we know, he's the stepfather to Stevie. And I found different. <laughs> Different things. Some people said that they had a good relationship and others said that they did not.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: am just going to go and err on the side of caution and say they didn't have a great relationship. Okay. Because let's not forget, like, yes, he did technically raise Stevie, like, from a baby. He was, like, two. But he wasn't his biological father. I, You just don't know how that can complicate your relationship. So
0: right. You, you could you see a know. way where that might create some tension, possibly. Sure.
1: The day that the boys went missing. Terry drove Pam to work at the Catfish Island, okay? And then claimed he went home to do laundry at his home. That's one of the possible alibis
0: he has, okay? Okay, so that's one that he says, gotta do that laundry.
1: Got to do the laundry. Okay. And now remember they have a daughter too, Amanda. Somebody uh, saw him do the laundry and they confirmed it. But they said, yes, but they said,
2: so yes. But didn't somebody claim that like, it was weird that he was doing it. Cause they were like, he never. Exactly. Did something like that. Exactly,
1: Could not tell you if he had ever done laundry before or since, but that day he was doing laundry. Okay. And so let's say the person who saw him do this,
2: he was doing Stevie's laundry too. On top of that, coming out of Stevie's
1: dorm and shit. Okay. Let's say that it's true. And he did. How do we know that he is not cleaning dirty, bloody clothes with mud all over them? We don't like, you know what I mean? We don't. Okay. Just saying. oh, red flag. Number one, red flag. Right away. Also, he had said later that he had noticed the boys, you know, because obviously Stevie was supposed to come home in time for them all to bring Pam to work. Right. And he hadn't. So also, according to Terry, he had gone out looking for Stevie and the boys around six o'clock. But he's also home doing laundry. But he's also with his daughter. And I guess there were some eyewitnesses that said that they saw him calling out for stevie in the neighborhood but again we've had a lot of iffy eyewitnesses this entire entire time we do not i can't take anything an eyewitnesses says like for fact because of course not no you know because again he says oh i was out looking for them at six o'clock but then why didn't you report them missing until nine when you went to pick up pam
0: the fact that right? we can, we have 70 of these alibis floating around is just so like it's just it's a testament I'm to like you. how to just to just how the police did not lock this down. They did nothing not do was their done. job.
1: Because then let's not forget his friend David Jacoby, who is his alibi witness. We don't really have anything on him either. We have nothing. They didn't look into him enough for us to have anything to even go off of. Yeah. Okay. Which then just in for my mind leads me more into Terry because we again don't have anything
0: he can't be accounted for exactly did so you
1: see know. David Jacoby's interview with um Bob dude,
2: his work Bob Ruff, his work on the turtles he had me convinced he 100% had me
0: convinced I know he that was very compelling
1: okay. I feel like very the compelling of this episode is like what the dogs are and every other
0: episode. but like, his like, the sit down, oh. sit down Jacoby mm-hmm.
2: because I just felt like it was very telling of like just how he was like I don't think it was my friend but he was like but then again I don't really know yeah and the whole Terry leaving and going back and leaving and going and keep leaving the house and coming back again sketch it's sketch
1: Benny's. and everything that I've learned about him you can't tell me that he would like gladly do his own laundry or anyone else's sorry no I just don't freaking see it no it's, it's, like, a, it's a bogus
0: it's bogus it's a bogus story
1: type. so let's not forget the hair okay well no before we even get to the hair let's not forget he did not immediately report the kids as missing he which waited. is your
0: this is carly's thing absolutely <laughs> this
1: absolutely.
0: is carly's thing and
2: and we talked about this, I think, in episode one, too, didn't we, about how his location of where he called 911? Yes. Like. It's a fantastic he point. It is, like, yes. that is so huge. It's so telling. It is so huge. You wouldn't be. Somewhere away from your home, when your child is missing, calling 911 from not
1: your house. I feel like that location of the call with the timing of the call is a big tell because, A, why couldn't you have just called earlier? Why couldn't you have called from your own home? What were you doing? Why didn't you feel like you needed a call earlier? Were you too busy doing other things? Were you too busy? Something else. Okay. But then you're going to do it later, which is first of all, too late in my opinion. Second of all, you're doing it not at your own home, which is just suspicious for a lot of reasons we've already mentioned. And third of all, is it just because it's on You're now you're on show, you're doing it to be seen doing it by your wife is the mother of the child that's missing who you did not tell her he has been missing this entire time mm-hmm. she's been at work completely oblivious thinking like hopefully stevie just came home a little bit late not knowing her his, her son is still not home like i feel like he just did it there to get away from the house for whatever reason and to make it basically to like put on airs that he actually cared when he ne- didn't necessarily before
2: i'm sorry when Three children are murdered, horribly murdered. You would think that the investigators and the police would be looking into not just the parents, but especially the step parents, Mm -hmm. because they are not blood related to the child. And so they're going to not they're way less likely to have that attachment. Totally. Why was he not investigated from fucking day one, Binnie?
1: Now, granted, we do know that biological
2: parents can also be terrible, Deborah Green. And mm-hmm. I'm not, exactly, but, and I'm not saying anything bad on step-parents either, no, no, because no. there are mad good step-parents out there too.
1: Just like there's good Cub Scout leaders.
2: Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Just like there's good cops. Doesn't I mean they, think- that they
0: all don't need to be looked into and evaluated and hopefully eliminated. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And
1: now I don't really like or condone the questioning or interrogating at this point, interrogating of children, but I would really want to know what Amanda has to say about what went on that evening, where she was, where her dad was, because apparently they were supposed to have been together at the home.
0: Mm-hmm. Amanda is anything. tortured, you know, she is, she is not. Doing well in no. her life. I mean, she's, look at what she's, she's had to do. She's gone with. through so, yeah. And she w- she's openly in West of Memphis, she's openly like, I just wish I could remember. Exactly. I just don't remember.
1: She was super young. Mm-hmm. But also, is she not remembering because her brain is making her not remember something heinous or something suspicious? You know what I mean? We don't know. You better we- be
0: careful, Carly, or you're going to get a false confession out of me right now. I don't- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jocelyn, are you sure? Are you, you don't sure remember, you don't remember the time? So okay, so again, like the 911 call for me is essentially like done, done deal. But it's not necessarily for the people, so I understand that. So but let's get into the hair. The real hard, concrete evidence. The hardest, The hardest the rough, of the hard hardest evidence, concrete okay? evidence. The hair is found in the shoelace on the shoelace of Michael. But it's not only on the shoelace, it is tied in. It's tied knot. in the knot. Okay? That is such a tall, that's like a telltale sign to okay. me. Okay. Come on. Now people are playing it off. They're they they say, oh, well, they played together. The qu- the kids play together all the time. They're always over at the house. Why is it going to be There's tied up? There's no way shoe? that a random dude's hair is going to be stuck on a shoelace or tied in the knot of a shoelace of a young eight-year-old kid who was always running around, being on a skateboard, untying his shoes, going in the mud, doing whatever from however many days prior when Mm -hmm. he was hanging out with Stevie Branch. Yes. There's no way it would have lasted that long and stayed there intact for it to be
0: found later. No, that shit was there when the motherfucker was was tying the knots. I will give you that. That you cannot get away from that. You can't then, get away from it.
1: What are the freaking odds that his friend Jacoby's hair was found on the tree stump? Tree stump yeah. where the bodies were dumped. It's sketch. It's sketch. I don't care if that makes Well, he claims that, that he tree was stump searching. Every
2: day. He claims he was searching there. No.
1: Mm, No, no. because I don't remember hearing about a whole bunch of other people who were doing the search effort and having their hair found there too. I don't recall that. I recall this man's hair and Terry Hobbs' hair together.
0: That's what I recall hearing about. Yeah, to have both of them there. That is... It's huge. It's huge. It's It's fucking massive. And scientifically, he is the most likely suspect now. 100%. Exactly.
1: 100%. 100%. Take a motion and... Family life out of it and the 911 weirdness. Okay. Write it up, that all out. Call it a day. The evidence dates. Okay. But also, we can't forget that he didn't call 911 right away. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was having financial issues. Don't forget at this time. Right. Does that come into play? Okay. We already know that the home life was kind of strained sometimes. There's because also, of just everything. Yeah. going. And then Pam and having a DUI and then Terry. Yes. I don't know how much beforehand, but it was definitely come into play later that he, there was domestic disputes. He was okay. fighting and like, he yeah, and he was
0: abusive. There
1: was um, some drug use into play. Okay. There's also the time where he shot his brother-in-law in the stomach. And granted, these are after this is all mm-hmm. happened. Okay. But for me, it just adds to, I don't know if it's fair or not, but it adds to just the type of person that we're dealing with here. Yes. And it just makes it a little bit more concrete in my mind that there's potential that he would have been able to do such a thing. Okay. And now, okay, let's not forget he was an ice cream delivery truck person, an ice cream man. That would make it very easy for him to know the neighborhood, know where the kids go, be seen around, mm-hmm. whether in the truck or not. Possibly even that evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even looked into. Not even. Not looked even into. looked
0: into. Which is, which again, is a huge. Misstep on the yeah. on behalf of the police. It's terrible it's that they never fleshed issue. this out at the time. Yeah. That yeah. they never pinned him down. They that never they never like
1: interviewed him.
0: No, they never conducted formal interviews with those parents you in listen. a universal way. No, they did. But not. you're
1: gonna. But you're gonna go
0: and sentence someone to death. It's it's awful. It's Outrageous. awful. So awful.
1: Outrageous. Let's, let's even say that Terry is one thousand percent innocent. Okay, let's say that he is. We can't even rule that out because you didn't investigate it. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm sorry, but the way that he's acted even since has not made it any better.
2: No. And also the pocket knife too, Benny's, you know, about the the pocket pocket knife.
1: knife That was Stevie's was found in his possessions. In his his nightstand.
0: Yeah. Right. And they said that Stevie would have had it with him. She said Stevie had it
2: every single day and that mad people could attest to that.
0: And Terry did
1: not have, and my from what I could see, a good excuse as to why he had it. It's not like he was saying, "Oh, Stevie got in trouble, and I took it away from him."
0: Mm-hmm. No, he didn't whatever.
1: have any
2: explanation. For he that. had nothing. No, and why would he? I'm sorry. Why wouldn't you take it and test it for DNA for if there's, um, like, if he used it? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just so mind boggling to me. It's mind boggling to me,
0: Minnie's. It is. I can't believe that their houses weren't searched. I know. That's incredible to me. I understand the that they have a separate crime scene elsewhere, but like, no, I, I, I'm amazed that still. that those houses weren't searched. I really am. Yeah, and exactly like tested for DNA and shit and
1: fingerprints. It's outrageous. It's like Jody Arias. They found the camera in the lawn in the washing machine. In the washing like, machine, machine. Fucking we idiot. Have
0: found in the laundry. And I do. I, I understand. Like, I, I, I think Terry Hobbs is the most viable suspect that we have. Absolutely. Like I, I'm, I'm afraid to go too far down that path because I feel like he's going to sue us. I mean, well, Right, he sued Natalie Maines, but she's he sued a the multimillionaire. For yeah. I myself yeah. do not have the funds to be attractive, okay. to be no. sued, she'll, but
2: she'll come through for us if he tries to sue us, us, all right? She, she totally will. she's
0: she amazing. Wood. She really is, she's, yeah, she, she is. stands up for what she believes in, for she's sure. She's a bad
1: bitch. In 2009, there were th- three witnesses that filed affidavits claiming that they saw Terry With the boys the night they disappeared. Wow. Now I know we know how we feel about eyewitnesses accounts. Mm -hmm. Like in this whole thing. But three witnesses felt. Right. Say the same To say the same thing. And file an affidavit. That they firmly believe that they saw this. It's
2: one thing when you're taking one person's word. To be 100% known to be true. As opposed to taking three separate witnesses. And them all having a similar account.
0: I I can see that. I do. I think he's the best suspect that we have. He's the most, it's the most, it's, it's the most unfortunate that he was never pinned down at the time. But I do, I put myself in Terry Hobbs shoes and I think about it and I kind of start to think about Amanda Knox a little bit, which is so weird, but just the idea (laughs) that you're in and around the Mm -hmm. ring of the crime and you're, I'm not so sure that Terry Hobbs, really wanted stevie to come back that night i'm not so sure that he ever liked stevie i'm not so sure that he i'm i'm i wonder if he thought that he was a pain in the ass and less for him to deal with and totally you know and that can can be and that can be very misunderstood in the public eye after the fact, you can't get away from the physical evidence, you can't get away from the hair. You can't like it reminds you can't remind really me of can. a snapped
2: episode. It reminds me of a snapped episode.
0: Could be, but you you really can't get away from that that physical evidence. But as far as the the way that he's handled being treated as a suspect by so many people, I kind of see why Terry Hobbs is like, fuck that and fuck you. Because this case was so mishandled from day one, and the fact that now, after all this time, they're going to come back around to him, I feel like he, in his mind, is like, you already blew this. Mm-hmm. Like you all. Oh, oh, okay. So now you're going to come after me, like after, like after putting me and my family through mm-hmm. convicting the wrong people, letting those people out, having the like guaranteeing that it'll never be solved. I kind of understand why someone would be like, yeah, I don't want anything to do with that. And I'm not going to cooperate because, because how do you trust the police Sure. after that? But you're right, Carly. There's just no way to get away from the hair. What the hell are those men's hairs doing out there? There's just no. Out there in that random ass spot. Exactly.
1: When they were making the movie Devil's Knot with Reese Witherspoon about this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like the main thing that he had to say about the whole thing was how happy he was that Reese was playing his wife in the film version of his life. And how cool that was and how happy that he literally was like, oh, I'm happy with that. Yeah, that's cool. Reese Witherspoon. She's great. Gross. It's a movie about your murdered stepson.
0: Yeah. And it's like, also, it's probably like a dig at Pam too. Totally. Like in a way totally. to be like, oh, they got an attractive woman to, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. He's, a, he is a schmuck, I like make like like, like, I am 100%. willing to make the straight up evil determination that he is guilty of being a schmuck. He is, he's, a, he has a past with domestic abuse. He has a future with domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, the finance
1: he, issues, the finance issues, a I'm lot sorry. of shit that he
0: says is inappropriate. It's not, it doesn't seem to fit. Um, at no, the very he, least, I cannot believe they never looked into him. I know it's okay. such a disservice It's
2: one of the most frustrating things about the whole
1: thing. Absolutely.
0: I just want our final thoughts on this case and what, you know, what have we learned? Where do we go from here? This is such a massive story. The more you peel back, the more upset you get. You know, what is...
1: Where do
2: we go
0: from here? <laughs> exactly, Gwenny. Where do we go? Like, what do we do with this? I'll tell you one thing it has replaced Jean Bonnet for yes. me. Yes. Yes. I, if I could pick one case, if anyone ever asked me if I could pick one case to be solved, I'd always say Jean Bonnet because I feel like it's just like Carly, like it's, it really brings me back to a time that I remember first being interested in, in these sorts of topics. Mm -hmm. Um, but now it's, it is these boys, 100% Delphi Delphi
1: and Memphis dude together. Mm,
0: Yeah. Delphi, man. My God. Delphi is definitely a big one. I mean,
1: they're so similar. It's like the same, you know, like we need the answers. Damien, Jason and Jesse are 1,009 million percent innocent.
0: Yeah, they didn't do it, and they
1: just got the worst. Like, okay, we do these stories, and we learn about all these things, and we talk about it to death. We research so much, but like, these are truly people's lives that we are talking about.
0: Yes, this happened. Like, yes,
1: really happened. And as terrible as it is, that the most heinous, tragic thing happened to those little boys. An equally terrible, heinous thing, not as equally, but, you know, an also heinous, terrible thing happened to three. Yeah. It was six lives ruined. Men, you it know was what I mean? Six yes. lives like ruined. just so beyond repair, even though they're out free mm-hmm. and they're living, you know, a free life now, they're they best they can. They have lost what could have been. And it's just so incredibly sad. Like, yeah, they all have lost the futures that they could have had
0: and time before. that they will never exactly. get back.
1: It's just so ridiculous and so sad. What the actual fuck
0: with the Bermuda Triangle of evidence? Like what? What is happening? What is even happening? Like what are we doing? One of the, I feel like one of the biggest takeaways from this case is like how, let me ask you audience, I'd like you to think about where you live right now. How much do you know about the way that your local police department is trained? How much do you how much do you demand as a taxpaying citizen of your state of of what type of mental health services are available to your police officers? What is the protocol? What is the process? What is the punishment for not following that? What what are the investigative techniques that are okay in your city? I bet you don't know that answer. I don't know the answer in mine. How is the evidence handled? What's we don't know these things we do not know these things until we look at a case like this and see what can happen to people when when the proper channels are not used and the proper support is not there
2: yeah and exactly why is that evidence being burned what do you mean it's being burned what do you mean evidence it wasn't the even west Memphis it was like that's some freaking tiger king shit right there man yeah. seriously
0: Absolutely! Lighted, oh my God, such a big shout out, Joe Exotic, Hero, Joe Exotic, yes. 2024. Okay, <laughs> I know, I know, he tried to kill Carol. Or that's what everybody says, but you know what? I just love the man so much. Um, but Carol often's also probably a murderer. Better oh, mm-hmm. I know she did. She probably did. I'm telling you. Well, God knows. what are the what what are we gonna do as people? To demand that this does not happen again. Exactly. Like, how are we going to prevent this sort of thing from happening? And I think part of it is that we can't. I know. It's too big. We're it's powerless. too. It's too exact. It's too big, and like we have to keep pointing these things out. We have to keep telling these stories because there. Damien Echols is right. There are a bunch of poor kids in small towns who are victimized in this mm. way. I read a really interesting Reddit thread that put the 1991 Austin yogurt shop murders <gasps> oh. attached to the West Memphis Three. Wow. And it was really very, very fascinating and interesting. As in, I like possibly the same as person in some- or just like the similarities of the- like po- like possibly the same person but definitely the same type of mo ambush yes. situation wow. yeah totally that's what Anne says too i i'm haunted now the way like i think about israel keys often but what i find myself thinking about with this case is not like the the crime itself which is horrific or all of the injustice that followed it but like the prior crimes or or crimes that right. were committed after this exactly. by whoever did it
1: just like delphi there's no way that was a one-time deal and the it's person haunting. is still running around today it is it really is even if they're not actually committing anything anymore or again
0: yeah even if, just if they're Jody the angela they're just living a life like yeah no no, no. not acceptable None. you don't get to do that no you do not
1: oh my god Wow, Quinny's!
0: Oh All right, Quinny's. Gosh.
1: Love you, Quin.
0: Love you, Quinny's. Bye. Love you, Benny. Bye. Listen to Straight Up Evil.